0: Welcome to another episode of Cross-Section, the official podcast of the section on neonatal perinatal medicine of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The neonatal section represents more than 3,500 neonatologists and clinicians who are committed to caring for the nation's smallest and most vulnerable patients. In Cross-Section, we hear firsthand from some of those individuals about their work. This week's cross-section podcast is coming to you from Chicago, where we're attending the AAP's annual Academy Leadership Forum, affectionately known as ELF. I'm here with Dr. Lily Liu to talk about how ELF fits into the work of the Academy, uh, why it's important to neonatologists, and how you can get involved. Lily is the District 8 representative to the section's executive committee, and she's also the president of the Alaska chapter of the AAP. Welcome to cross-section, Lily.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for the welcome.
0: So, um, as I said, just to establish your street cred, you've attended a few of these ALF meetings, right?
1: I have. I think I've attended about 10 or 12 as a chapter president. And you've attended a few, so you know that it's a really uh, inspiring, energizing conference that lasts about two, three days.
0: It's, and it's it's very unique in, in terms of conferences. This, this is one where, where we're not just absorbing, you're participating in the, in the work of the conference. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what its purpose is? And...
1: So the purpose of the ALF, which started as the chapter forum, but now the AAP is really working hard to try to engage not just the general pediatricians who are active in the chapters, but other members like, um, like we subspecialists. And the, this is the way that the AAP hears from its grassroots members about what they care about and what the priorities of the academy should be over the next years. So um, it's structured kind of like the Senate where there are representatives, two from each chapter are voting members, and I think still there's just one from each leader of a section, council, or committee.
0: Okay, And the chapters are are um, state-based structures within the AAP.
1: Right. Many a, are state-based and some states with large populations have more than one chapter.
0: Like California and New York, New York I think. Okay. Okay. So, so there are representatives from each of the chapters and then also from the sections, councils, and, and committees, you said. Yes. And they, they convene here and, and uh, what, what happens?
1: Well, we've, so far we've met for many years in the thriving metropolis of Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a <laughs> suburb of Chicago. And we go through what we call the resolution process. A resolution is something that embodies a viewpoint that, the, that somebody believes that the Academy should espouse and work towards supporting.
0: Okay. So what, what would an example be?
1: The resolutions are divided into several categories, including ones that have something to do with advocacy, um, to do with clinical practice, Healthcare finance and the operations of the AAP, um, and to education. So one example is that some people thought that people who have taken MOC uh, have met MOC requirements several times should um, get to pay less hmm. on their subsequent ones. Most resolutions like that uh, have to include a fiscal note. So. We have to make decisions on whether or not we can act on them based on how much it's going to cost and whether it's realistic.
0: So, the fiscal note is, is generated by the people who are submitting the resolution. They say this is what this would cost?
1: Sometimes they're submitted, they're included in the resolution by the person who's submitting it, but sometimes the person submitting it doesn't really understand all the nuances. So, before they're discussed and voted on, many of the other entities within the aap the different committees and staff and experts on finance may add in a fiscal note okay
0: so so someone in membership submits a resolution in one of these categories Um, either they or somebody else will will try to determine what the cost implications might be and then and and then what then what happens
1: so anyone can submit a resolution if you're an active current aap member Mm -hmm. Um, so a few resolutions are just submitted by individual members but most commonly they're sponsored by a section or a chapter or a district and they seem to have a little bit more clout if the people in if the delegates know where they're coming from
0: so ideally you would get people would get together with a group a constituency essentially within the AAP
1: I think the best resolutions actually start with an individual idea, and then are run around a section or a chapter or a district, and then a lot of people can chime in with what they think the issues are, Mm -hmm. so that you end up with a polished piece that takes into account um, some experts, some passionate pediatricians, and tries to present a comprehensive view of what the issue is. Hmm
0: okay now we're at the point where we've we've brought people together some stakeholders and and, um, uh, instigated by by one person who's particularly passionate maybe does anything happen before the meeting
1: well the deadline for resolution so we're here now in march Mm -hmm. but the deadline for resolution submission was last november so in that period of time people are gathering background information other sections are able to see the resolutions and offer their opinions and their advice. Sometimes resolutions are submitted and someone says, well, we're already doing this. And so um, they're sometimes withdrawn. Hmm. But as we approach the ALF, there's an online discussion board and any member can make comments on the resolutions. And so there's a period of several weeks where people can comment on the resolutions and then they're brought to the ALF the,
0: are these sorry are, are these members of um, people who are going to attend ALF or any member of the AAP can actually any current comment? member
1: of the AAP okay. they started this just a few years ago and they started with only the the delegates who were going to attend ALF being able to comment hmm. but then they got it working well enough that they opened it up to any member that's one way of of getting to keep up with what your academy is doing even if you don't get to be one of the delegates who goes to the meeting.
0: And, and then some somebody is, um, will collate those those comments um, from the website? Is that the, the author of the resolution or who does that?
1: No, the, once you submit it, um, your job is done until the ALF. So once you submit your resolution, they try to get as much information to support or help with the consideration of whether or not the Academy should move forward with this. And um, at when, the time, when the ALF starts, the resolutions are divided into three committees that they call reference committees, and they do that by categories. For example, Reference Committee A this time uh, looked at resolutions about advocacy and health care finance. We convene at the ALF, we've had a chance to look at the resolutions, we see how they're divided into reference committees, and then Um, we start the resolution process by attending the reference committees so they happen simultaneously in rooms that are right next to each other on the same hallway because uh, any individual attendee may be interested in resolutions in more than one reference committee and that's a time where anyone who's attending the ELF has the opportunity to give testimony in person we um, try to keep testimony brief and to the point we try to balance pros and cons and we try to understand whether or not this is an essential issue for the academy to pay attention to. I think this year there were 70 some resolutions and a few late resolutions Um, so we give advice to the reference committees and actually uh, AAP members who are usually chapter officers Um, Have the opportunity to serve on the reference committees, and they have about four or five people on each reference committee, and they hear testimony on all of their resolutions that are assigned to them, and then they take a few hours while the other attendees are um, have other agenda items, and they carefully go over all of the testimony from before the ALF from the online comments and from the in-person testimony and they make recommendations about whether or not each resolution should be approved or not approved. So that's the first phase. The second phase is when, well I guess the second phase is the reference committee deliberation. So then the third phase is a plenary session where you bring people together and you bring all the resolutions from all three reference committees together to the voting sessions.
0: So, so in this case, the the voting takes place um, in in plenary. It's it's the, the the group of everyone who's attending the conference at this at this point, rather than the subcommittees that you talked about. Yes. Can you clarify uh, who is it who's allowed to vote and who who is it? How do you how does that determine?
1: So the people who are allowed to vote include two people from each chapter. So that's probably about one hundred and thirty people, and then one person from each section, council, or committee
0: others though are allowed to give uh, further input during that that discussion on the floor subject to uh, being sort of given permission to to speak
1: that, that. yes. an example is that Tcan, our trainees and early career neonatologists, hmm. they didn't just dip their toe in the waters of the resolution <laughs> process. they dived in wholeheartedly and they they offered uh, they authored four resolutions this year. There's something that's interesting. Um, called the consent process. So a reference committee can decide, this is a no-brainer, we should absolutely do this, there's no fiscal note barrier to us accomplishing this, and this is important. So a few resolutions are pulled off and put on the consent calendar. And our TCAN group, out of their four resolutions, two of them made it onto the consent calendar mm-hmm. because they were so compelling.
0: So what, what would an example of that be? I know we can't talk about the ones from this year, but but in past years, what, what would go on a consent calendar versus go to debate?
1: So if somebody put, if we weren't vaccinating children and we thought it was a good idea and it, it wasn't going to cost us any more, then that's the kind of thing that hmm. might go on the consent calendar.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, so that's, that's impressive. Four from TCAN. I, I was very proud of that.
1: Right. And actually, um, their resolutions are a good example because... Two of them went made it to consent, and one of them was recommended to be approved, and that uh, I think that was already voted on and that was mm-hmm. approved. And then the fourth one was actually suggested. The reference committee suggested that it not be approved, but then we had an opportunity to amend the resolution. Um, one of us voting members was able to offer the amendment that the TCAN representative thought we should offer and then there, it was hotly debated and there was uh, there was even a second amendment to the amendment <laughs> and ultimately that one uh, was approved.
0: Hmm. Yeah that's very impressive and and uh, have to let the listeners know that y- it was you who was uh, m- mentoring TCAN through and was in large part I think responsible for the Success of their uh, being able to take part in this. So thank you. And it you. was
1: Haley Friedman yep. from Tufts who did a great job at representing TCAN here at the Alf.
0: Yeah, that's great. So okay, so now we have um, we've gone through voting and um, and the, the the resolution. There's a there's a list of resolutions that have been approved either through this consent process or by being voted on. Um, what what happens to these now?
1: So we're actually not quite done with voting, but when we finish with the last voting session tomorrow, then everybody who's a voting member will have a chance to rank their top 10. And all of the resolutions that are approved become advisory to the board. So this is the,
0: the, the American Academy of Pediatrics Board, the governing body, basically.
1: Right. Okay. So there, the board of the AAP actually consists of the district presidents, and or the district chairs, and so there's one from each of the 10 districts, and something that's going, that's going to happen really soon, which impacts neonatologists, is that they're going to add three at-large members to the board that represent subspecialists and other people besides general pediatricians a little bit more fully. Mm-hmm. And I think that over the past few years, they've realized that subspecialists are actually Very important members of the AAP.
0: Yeah, I think that's an exciting phase of what's happening. Right. So the the board
1: directs what's going to happen, what you know, where the AAP is going to spend its resources and its time and energy. So once once the resolutions are voted on, then uh, through a ranking process, voting members determine which are the top ten, and the board is obliged to respond to the top ten. They actually look at all of the resolutions that are approved, and they will try to address as many of them them as they can, but they definitely um, give their first attention to the top 10 resolutions.
0: Not necessarily adopting them if if it's not possible, or or do they have to adopt them? They they just have to respond to them, or how does it work? They have to
1: respond to them, and they do the best they can. To fulfill the intent of the resolution, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a great idea that there's grassroots support for, but they realize it's going to cost billions of dollars to mm-hmm. do something, and they can't do that. But maybe they can advocate for um, people to learn about it or mm-hmm. to um, to try to spread the word about how important it is, so that something can be done at the chapter level <laughs> to move the needle a little bit.
0: Mm. So you're sort of these resolutions. I always think of them as they're, they're kind of helping to steer the ship.
1: They are absolutely steering yeah. the ship.
0: So that's thats the legislative part of, of this conference. Um, its It's got some other elements to it that are kind of exciting. You mentioned the, the vibrancy of the conference. Can you talk a little bit about what the rest of the time is spent doing well, here?
1: They've gathered all of the leaders of our organization together um, for a period of about three days. So they also take this opportunity to focus on a few issues of highest priority. For example, this time we heard about the importance of racial diversity. We just did an exercise on that. We talked about gun violence and we talked about the opioid crisis and how that is impacting children.
0: Hmm. All of it extremely topical. Right. And, and one of our members, Stephen Patrick,
1: was one of the important speakers on opioids. Yeah. So the other thing that they do is they provide some. Opportunities for leadership development for um, AAP leaders, because we're all physicians. We learned how to calculate CCs and calories and do physical exams and things. And so these sessions teach us about legal issues for chapters and how to do uh, media interviews to support child advocacy issues. Um, They might talk about um, leadership skills like um, disruptive persons and how to um, deal with, with personnel. Um, they may talk about how to develop a succession plan for your chapter or section. But um, in addition to the topic foci, they do provide some leadership mm. training opportunities.
0: Yeah. So I guess if people want to get involved, one, one way is to get involved and become a, a leader within the AP at the chapter level or, or in, the, in the section or a committee. While people are working on that, how else can they get involved in being part of the, what, the work of ALF and the AP?
1: Well, one thing that neonatologists don't think about, uh, because we're often a little isolated from the general pediatrician, is actually just joining your chapter. Hmm. One of the things that um, we did at the district breakfast uh, this year was we introduced all of the people who are leaders in the district, but not as chapter presidents. Um, so I'm sure John was introduced as the, the neonatal section chair. And there are many committees that provide the standard of excellent care of clinical care in pediatrics. So getting um, nominated to a committee, serving on a committee or joining a section and possibly moving into leadership of those groups are ways to get engaged.
0: Good, well, I, I think we may have to work on a schoolhouse ho- rock version of this. <laughs> Like I'm just a bill, but, but hopefully um, for listeners, that'll clarify a little bit about the process. And, right. and I, I think certainly having seen this, I kind of got excited about the idea that, that you could make grassroots change within this organization. And, and in turn, that would have an impact on on babies and children. So I, I hope that people will use the this tutorial that you've given us to, to do that.
1: And if you have an idea for a resolution that might... My- uh, work its way into being considered mm. by the AAP um, as a whole. Um, there are lots of people who can help you with templates and how to phrase them and how to get people to testify for them at the office. You can call me mm-hmm. or John or any of Mark Hudak, yeah. any of the people who've been engaged with, Ann Stark is definitely engaged. She's chairing the whole ALF this year. Mm. But any of us would be happy to help with the format and how to get your ideas heard on the floor of this decision-making and this really steering um, conference for our academy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for uh, sharing your, your experience and wisdom with us, and uh, we'll, we'll hope that we do get some ideas from, from membership and you can help shepherd, shepherd more through. Thank you, Lily.